Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What is going on, Nation of Junkies? Goes and Gorgeous George here on a Wednesday night for your Thursday morning delivery. Man, excited to talk to you for the next hour or so. Got a fun show with a pre-record. Neil Dariush is going to join us. UFC lightweight. We're going to uh, obviously we're, we're going to go over some possibilities of what might be next for him. But guess what? During the show, we might actually be able to reveal what is next for him. So a little bit comical, but you know what? I still think it was a pleasant conversation because we kind of went back to his high school days and we definitely want to share stuff with the audience that pertains to the fighters that isn't always necessarily just tied to fighting. We like to show off their personalities or whatever, and I'm sure a few of you might relate to Benil and his struggles in high school. And we'll talk about some of the latest news a lot. Finally, the Tuesday matchmaker meeting delivers because in the last 24 hours, there's been a lot of great matchups. So we're going to go all over some of those. And then, of course, we'll give you the uh, the uh, final nudges and, and info pertaining to the UFC London card taking place on Saturday with Curtis Blades and Tom Aspinall at the top of the bill. Let us reset and we'll start MMA Junkie Radio. Again, taping on a Wednesday night for your Thursday morning delivery, July 21st. goes so we often hear dana white talk about the tuesday night or the tuesday matchmaker meeting only because i've gone to a lot of tuesday night dana white contender series i know that it's not a tuesday night matchmaker meeting it it, it appears to be like a tuesday afternoon matchmaker meeting and not that that's important i guess but they really really went to work and finally there's a shakeout of a few names being tied to each other, which kind of rules out certain possibilities. And then it allows us to explore other possibilities. It drives me nuts, but honestly goes, it's much funner than my days when I used to uh, pull stock in a stock room for State Farm insurance agents, or when I used to look for foreclosure reports in the state of Ohio for our uh, accounts team that handled foreclosures at the first American title for the state of Ohio. So I, I'm never going to complain in that, in that regard, discussing all the endless possibilities is music to my ears, but there is some clarity, right? Yeah. Yeah. Finally. I mean, so many things up in the air that we've been talking about. If you watch spinning back click, some of these things that broke are have been topics of what's been going on. Going back to last Saturday, Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makashev was announced 
for UFC 280 on October 22nd. That's your main event for the vacant lightweight title. Charles Oliveira will get paid pay-per-view points, according to UFC President Dana White. And obviously the winner walks out with the title. I am curious if it's a draw after five rounds, can they enact that sixth round? Because usually commissions only allow 25 minutes of fighting. But I know that there's been a few exceptions made and they've allowed them to go 30. So that really that question really should be asked to see what happens in case that were, that were to happen out in Abu Dhabi. But yeah, that's a that's a slim possibility. We know that this is in the books and it's done and it's ready to go. What's the fallout from there? Okay. So I'm gonna try and go more in order, and then we'll talk about Benil when we talk when we feature the interview and then the latest news with him. But then after that, we heard Nate Diaz finally gets his fight versus Hamzat Shemaev at UFC 279. That takes place on September. Forgive me. Give me one second. September. Yeah, September 10th here in Las Vegas. And it's the main event. They've already went out of their way to say that is the main event. So think about what the UFC had to do to finally say, all right, we got to cave in here because we need a main event. They love title fights. And they love title fights so much, they'll even make up interim title fights just to have a title fight. Now, I haven't shared this in about a year. So I say about once a year because we always have new listeners. And we always have people that may forget. A long time ago, I got to give credit to a website called Middle Easy. Dot com. They simply did uh, some research on some pay-per-views available through MMAPayout.com, I believe, in which they realized that when the UFC had a pay-per-view that had a title fight of some sort versus one that didn't have a title fight, they averaged 100,000 pay-per-views um, more. So it's as simple as that. You know, like, it, It's a business decision. I guess it's a big deal to always have a title of some sort up there, and that's why they've always done it. So I've never faulted them for it. You know, sometimes it's just fun to criticize when it, it's shoved down our throats, like Derek Lewis and Cyril gone last July. Come on. Uh, Ngannou was willing to defend. I think it was in August, and Ngannou was willing to defend in September, and he had just won it in March, and all of a sudden you want an interim title fight, but whatever, right? We're past that. So in this case, it's Diaz versus Shemaev goes. That's your main event, and the reason is because they couldn't come to an agreement with Sterling and... and uh and uh, TJ Dillashaw, remember, that was the original main event. Sterling had done an interview where he said, look, I'm just looking for a little bit of a bump. I'm not asking for much, but it seems like in my contract, I've gotten paid 10 and 10, 12 and 12, or 50 and 50, 80 and 8. I've always gone up, and me as a champion, sure, yeah, I get my pay-per-view points or whatever, but can't we just bump up a little bit just like we always have? I don't fault him for asking that. I, I know there's other fighters asking for a lot more. And he seemed to be reasonable and respectful. Apparently, that was the holdup. So now Sterling has been moved. He still has Dillashaw, but he's been moved to UFC 280 on October 22nd, which I imagine goes as the uh, co-main event, right? Title fight, title fight. And that's why UFC 279 needed a main event. They went with Diaz and Shemayev. And look, Diaz is a huge name. Shemayev is becoming a huge name. Um, Maybe they even outsell Sterling. Versus Dillashaw, I don't know. But it's very rare that there's not a title fight in the main event. Lots to unpack. Go ahead. Yeah, it is very rare. But in this case, like when you talk about who pops the most in the UFC, Nate Diaz is probably top five. He's got to be. So 
I understand why they're doing it. As far as the opponent goes, I mean, that that tells you everything right there, what the UFC is trying to do, right? Uh, they want to send Nate Diaz packing, and they want to do it on a stretcher, I guess. I don't know. I don't think Nate Diaz is, like, that bad of an underdog in this fight. I mean, I get that he is, but uh, what were the odds? The odds came out. Yeah, like- minus 1,100. We did go to Typico, our our partner at USA Today Sports, and at the time they had – they hadn't um, come up with odds, so forgive us for straying here. But they were minus eleven hundred, where the odds that were quoted for Shemaev as the favorite, plus seven hundred for Nate Diaz as the underdog. At least that's what I saw on on Twitter, and I'm uh-huh. looking right now just to make sure on futures on bestfightodds.com. But I believe that's what I saw, and that's up there, man. Yeah, no, that's way too much, in my opinion. Um, I mean, early on, obviously, I think it's easy just to say Hamza, but I think Nate Diaz has, like, somewhat of a chance. I mean, look what he did to Leon Edwards at the end of the fight, right? Like, there's always something. Um, But can you imagine if he wins that fight, what kind of – I mean, the double fingers have to come out, right? Like Bret Hart and Vince McMahon, he'd probably reach over and spit on Dana at that point. (laughs) But, uh, What's that called? The Montreal Massacre or something yeah, like that? Screw job. Screw job. It's, by the way, uh, I think it's A&E. They're doing this thing called WWE Legends. And that Bret Hart story has been told a million times, okay? Through Dark Side of the Ring and other, other things they've done. But they kind of do it again. This time they feature Bret Hart. So they talk about his life from – sorry to stray off in pro wrestling, but they start off from when he was a kid – his relationship with his dad, his brothers, Owen, all that stuff. And then they do touch on the screw job. But what's cool about this is Vince McMahon actually talks about it. And I thought that was kind of cool to get his perspective of it and get knocked out and all that stuff. And he was humble. He 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 kind of like told the truth, or did he try and portray something else? He he told the truth. Uh, he gave his reasons why he did it. And then even Shawn Michaels kind of chimed in on it. It was really, really well done. Like I know. Like, if I were to walk downstairs and tell George, hey, watch this, it's about Brett, he'd probably go, man, I've seen it a million times, leave me alone. But uh, there are there's some very cool footage of Stampede Wrestling and how he started, and and then when you add in, like, Vince McMahon's takes on things, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, so what, I want to see this. Do I just go A&E and, like, boom, it'll it'll show up on our cable system? Yeah, if you say, like, A&E, uh, WWE Legends, I think is what it's called. I'm in. I want to see that. What, but how the hell did I get there? Um, because Nate Diaz might double finger Dana White oh, yeah, yeah. in his face. Yeah, you never know. I mean, that's uh, they're really showing what they think at this point, matching up with Hamza at 170. Yeah, so for those that don't know, Bret Hart had been offered a, a lucrative, I guess, contract raise with WCW back in the days of Monday Night Wars, I think they used to call it. WCW was a straight competitor to WWE, similar to Pride in the UFC. This was like in the 90s, right, guys? What, what did they call it? The um, the Attitude Era, right? Was that when, like, suck it and, like, chicks were being flaunted more, like, as floozies versus athletes, I guess, or something like that? Mm-hmm. And so in that, in that era, he got a um, – Bret Hart was a huge name, and he got an offer to go to WCW, which he found it hard to turn down. It was going to be really, really lucrative. And on the way out, 
he had his version of how he wanted to give up the belt. Vince McMahon had another version, but Vince McMahon was scared because WWE hadn't really um, separated itself to be a clear number one like it is now. And what he didn't want was for Bret Hart to show up on the set of WCW with the belt just because they weren't jiving as far as like where it should take place and to who and, you know, all that other stuff. But Shawn Michaels was a, uh, a rival of his at the time. And they had a show coming up in Montreal, and Brett definitely didn't want to lose it there. Um, so in that whole mix, Brett Hart eventually, what it appears like, was lied to. And so when it all went down, you guys should all watch it. Even if you don't like pro wrestling, I think you'll just enjoy the story. Um, hell, we might have just given some of it away, but it, it's. I think it's worth it. I'll stop right there. I, I just think it's worth it. And for you hardcores that, that you've seen it, I guess maybe check out what Ghost said on a and I... I I'm between a hardcore and a casual when it comes to pro wrestling, but I'm anxious to check it out, and I will. But, yeah, uh, that could be what happens, goes. I think the farther the fight goes out, we did see that Hamza Shemaya became more mortal with Gilbert Burns. But the first thing you got to be willing to do with Hamza Shemaya, unless he's stubborn and wants to knock out Nate Diaz and stands too long, you got to stop the takedown. And when you stop the takedown, you do two things. A, you don't wind up on your ass, and B, the other guy expends energy. And Nate Diaz, call him what you will, 37 years old, definitely probably past his prime, never held a major belt. Okay, but a huge pay-per-view star, a fan favorite day, you know, day in, day out, but always in shape, somewhat, you know, he leads a clean lifestyle. So even when he hasn't had his best camp, he's still probably in better shape than 90% of the fighters. I would say the longer the fight draws out, um, you could see, you know, the possibility of an upset. That's why I disagree with the odds. And I looked up the odds goes, they're up to minus 1250, minus 1100, uh, minus 1000. Nate Diaz comeback plus 800, plus 700. So that's that's pretty high considering a lot of people are just going to bet Nate Diaz because everyone rides with the Diaz boys regardless. So that I, I didn't expect that high of a discrepancy. Yeah, it's taken back a little bit by that. Yeah, for sure. So so that fight, what that one did was it kind of clarified that Dustin Poirier doesn't have a possible dance partner and Conor McGregor doesn't have a possible dance partner because upon this fight ending, Nate Diaz is a free agent. Now he can go do whatever, Bellator, bare knuckle, uh, and more than likely a Jake Paul fight. I probably should have went in the opposite order because it's more likely than that he would box Jake Paul uh, next. Jake Paul also has a fight. A boxing match on August 6th again, Asim Rahman Jr. So keep an eye on that. But now the fight that a lot of us wanted to see, which was Diaz versus Poirier, that ain't happening. Connor, from what we're hearing, could be tied to a fight at the beginning of next year against Michael Chandler. We're just kind of putting pieces of the puzzle there. Don't quote us on that one because we don't know that for a fact, but we've also heard it behind the scenes from credible people. So that, along with our investigating, that's what we think. All right, now Nate Diaz is left without a dance partner. So we're thinking, hmm, Benil Dariush, that might make sense uh, on the UFC 280 fight card as insurance for the main event. No disrespect to Chuck Yolives, but he did have that incident, right? And he's had other incidents in the past, and it's overseas, and, you know, you just, it's vacant. It's vacant. We want to make sure it's filled on October 22nd. So it wouldn't, it would make sense to have some fighters from the lightweight division on that fight card, either an actual substitute or 
the uh, a matchup in itself. So that's tight into Ben Neal Dariush. More on that in a second. But UFC 280 has a credible co-main event in Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. So whatever they agreed to goes, I guess the money got sorted out, but now they got moved to another card. Um, can you read into that what that might mean or, or what's up? I don't know. I was actually going to ask you um, if you want to do a little experiment. You want to finish this out? I mean, it does have to do with Nate Diaz, but... Okay, so, so can I say something before you do ex your experiment? Yeah. Here's a theory I have. The UFC men have told Aljo, okay, you want your bump? We'll pay you 550000 to show or 600000 to show. There's your bump, guy, right? But now we're going to put you at UFC 280. You got to fly to the opposite end of the world, and you're going to get pay-per-views based off of Oliveira and Makashev, which you never know, man. Chucky Olives is so beloved right now, and Islam Makashev is Habib Nurmagomedov light, right? I mean, he's right. starting to blow up. That, that may be a well-selling pay-per-view. I don't know. But Nate Diaz is Nate Diaz, and Hamza Shemaev has become a pretty big name. They may feel like that sells better, and so now we're just going to pay you less than pay-per-view points and send you to the opposite end of the world. But you got your $100,000 base pay, but you're going to lose out more on those kickbacks that come through pay-per-view. I don't know. I, I don't put nothing past the UFC because they do play a little dirty from time to time. That said, I, I will also say this. The fighters also play games too. So I think they just they lock horns. And like I say, man, usually the UFC has the bigger hammer. What were that you gonna say? To me, that's not that's not out of the realm of possibility. I was gonna so we don't talk about it too much here, but on uh on Patreon we do another show. It's called the Triple G show, George George and Joe show with Richard Hunter. And one of the polls that's on there, George, yeah. has to do with Nate Diaz, and I'll I'll read it to you here for fun. But it basically says, pick every scenario that you think Nate Diaz will go through in the next five years. And here are your options. Nate Diaz signs with the UFC, re-signs with UFC. Nate Diaz boxes Jake's, Jake Paul. Nate Diaz boxes someone else. Nate Diaz signs with Bellator. Nate Diaz signs with PFL. Nate Diaz signs with BKFC. Nate Diaz comes back to the UFC after leaving. And Nate Diaz fights Conor McGregor, and I'll I'll kind of give you a hint as to where the the votes are right now. What was what was the original question? I remember all the answers, but what was the original question? What scenario can you see happening? So all the scenarios that you think can actually happen, yeah, where are they? And right now, the leading candidate is he boxes Jake Paul, yeah. But after that, it's it's BKFC time, and then a lot of people feel like he might come back and fight Nate Diaz or fight Conor McGregor anyway. Yeah. What do you think of all those? Remember, you know, the Scott Coker uh, is friendly with the Diaz brothers, so that could always be an option. It's not like he fights Jake Paul and then he fights the next dude and the next dude. Like, there's not really that many people out there to do that with. So eventually he's got to do something. BKFC doesn't sound that crazy to me, man, for the Diaz brother. Okay, so I believe he will fight. Sorry, he will box Jake Paul. Okay. And then... I'm sure Bellator will talk to him, and he would entertain Bellator or PFL. They gave Anthony Pettis 750 to just show. I don't know if he would like the activity of what PFL does have, right? But you never know. He may be wanting to get paid 750 for two regular season fights. That's one thousand. That's one million five hundred thousand. Then there's the playoff fight, probably another 750. 
and then the million you get if you win the playoff, I mean, that might be up his alley. I don't know. If he just says, look, I'm getting old. Let me just get these four fights. Who knows? But Bellator will have to compete with that. And the other thing is um, I do see a scenario where he could come back to the UFC if he – if he middle fingers, I don't think Dana White's fingers or uh, his feelings won't get hurt from that because, you know, he's gone up to Stockton and gotten slapped. And these guys have, you know, called him lots of names over the years. It's what it's 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 if he's a little bit too honest post fight and goes on and on and, and really, really questions the character of dana white where i could see a, a falling out but if he just the, did the middle finger i think dana white would be okay being vince mcmahon and just going okay kid you know you just beat shamaya hats off yeah we were i guess trying to set you up i don't know i don't know what, he, what he's going to say to that but i could see if conor mcgregor comes back the following year and he wants that trilogy with nate diaz and he's a free agent he's done with jake paul then i could see him coming back to the ufc for that and that would trump anything pfl or bellator has to offer what i do see though is him coming to the ufc and just only having that one fight because if he was going to fight a poirier or a chandler i guess he would have done it now right and he didn't right um so i don't know that he comes back and signs a six fight contract or anything like that now here's another possibility if he gives jake paul his first loss jake paul's going to want to run it back so i could see him maybe doing two fights for jake paul with jake paul before even coming back to ufc if he gets knocked out by jake paul then maybe there's still something there with Conor McGregor, or maybe there isn't. Because what if Conor McGregor gets iced by Michael Chandler? Then it's like, yeah, these two kind of one time hated each other, but man, they've been losing a lot lately. So is there something yeah. there? I don't know. Only the UFC can answer those analytics. Then it turns into Gracie Shamrock again, right? Like what we saw at Bellator. Kind of, yeah. So um, I would say, though, I must have maybe hit on three of those from that really? question. Yeah. So again, let me update you now on what 279 looks like. 279 is on September 10th. Now remember, there's still another UFC coming up. There's or two more. There's 277 with Nunez and Pena, Moreno and Kaikara France. The second one being an, uh, an interim title bout. And then Pena and Nunez being a rematch. That is on July 30th. Goes and I will be doing a watch along for that fight card here on, on uh, MMA Junkie. We'll be here for all nine fights. That's five on the pay-per-view and four on the undercard. Eight Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific's when it all starts. Then there's UFC 278 on August 20th with Kamaru Usman and Leon Edwards. Then we have, then we have uh, the, the one I'm talking about, September 10th with Diaz and Shemaev. And I'm going to tell you what's on that card right quick. That one has... I'm only going to go jump off the big names here. Uh... It, it's hurting. It needs more. Macy Chasson and Irene Aldana. Uh, and that's about it, dude. Like, there's no real other huge, huge matchup names that are, like, mouth-watering matchups, you know, um, aside from Diaz versus uh, Shemaev. So that card needs fillers for sure. But look at 280 goes. 280 sick. 280 is Oliveira versus Islam Makashev. Um, Sterling versus Dillashaw. Peter Yan versus Sean O'Malley. Sean O'Malley is finally traveling somewhere. 
He always kind of calls his shots and fights in Vegas. Benil, or sorry, Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady. That's pretty legit, too. Mm-hmm. And then I guess I may have spoiled it, but there will be a matchup with Benil Dariush that we'll get to in a second. But first, why don't we go through the interview that we did with Benil just a few hours ago where we discuss these possibilities, and then we'll revisit the rest of this card, which does uh, have a Benny spoiler on it. And, uh, and then we'll start to, you know, do some more matchmaking with the names that are left. What is going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back. We are talking to Benil Dariush, one of the standout lightweights in the Ultimate Fighting Championships. Exciting yet complicated lightweight division welcome back benny how are you feeling good brother how are you good but oof i felt like i took a body shot or at least on your behalf when they made the announcement this past weekend that Oliveira, charles Oliveira, will be fighting islam makasha for the vacant lightweight title i really thought you were in that running and 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 that uh you had a good shot at being one of the two so i am how, how did you feel uh, I mean, I kind of knew they were trying to set up Islam and, and Charles. My, um, the only thing, I guess, I don't know if I was hoping for it, but like I knew if Charles did hold out for Connor, then they would make uh, uh, Islam and I for the belt. But uh, he didn't hold out for Connor. He decided to fight um, Islam uh, in Abu Dhabi. So that's the only thing. But uh, I'm not too like shocked about it or, or thrown off. Um, now I'm just uh, wondering about uh, what's next, basically, you know. Uh, and uh, the UFC, obviously, uh, we asked the UFC for Dustin Poirier, and it's not really clear. Like, I don't know if Dustin turned me down or the UFC never even asked Dustin because, you know, a guy like me, let's be honest, I'm not like a superstar, and, and, and the scary thing about me is, I, I, I pretty much eat stars is what I do. I, I eat the star and I don't become a star. So it's a, it's a little bit of a tricky situation. So it's possible they didn't, even, uh, they didn't even ask him. So if I could, I'd like to ask Dustin, like, hey, did they actually offer you the fight and you turned it down or did they never even offer it? Are you a DM type of guy or, or ask uh, I, intermediary like that type of question? Or? I don't care. I'm, I'm just, uh, that, that's like, that's the only thing I'm wondering about. Ultimately, like, it's just who's next. Like that's that's all I care about. I I, I do just want to fight, so I'm not too too worried about it. But the, the fight that would, made most sense was Dustin Poirier, and, and uh, that's not happening. You know, here's the disappointing part: is you were talking about these stars that you eat. Your fights are exciting. Like everything you throw is heavy artillery. Like you snap the jab, you'll kick it like like it's the penalty kick at a world cup you know i mean like you want to put it through the net um and you can grapple you you know you can if it goes on the ground you're going for submissions i mean the the the, the incredible work that you and rafael cordero have put in to make you such a lethal striker is amazing and even the times that you've dropped a fight even those have been amazing like i, I felt like makashev had two things going against him one he hadn't faced the type of talent you had for so long and two, it seemed like he had maybe, I don't know, pissed off is the right term. The UFC 
back in the in uh, earlier in the year when I think he said he might step in for a fight, but then no, and seemed like Dana was a little put off by that, and he wasn't going to put him in the title shot. That's why I thought you were really, really going to get it. But we'll move on from that because they already decided on the other match, and and uh, so now it's Oliveira versus versus uh, uh, Islam Makhachev, and apparently Oliveira is going to get sorry, yeah, Oliveira is going to get pay per view points. I don't know if he would have gotten them if he sat out for Connor for no title, but Dana White kind of clarified that, so maybe that went into his decision. Like a lot of things, I was filling in a lot of questions or answers I had to some of the questions you know that were out there. Um, but now Nate Diaz as an opponent in Hamza Shemaev, and I thought that might clear up the Dustin situation, but you kind of answered that before we even got into it. Mm-hmm. So at this point, let's forget about what this, what that, maybe this, maybe that. Who do you want now that we know at least some fighters are out of the picture? Who who do you want? And guess what, Benny? Here's another thing. I don't think you get to fly halfway around the world. That card's filling out nicely over there in Abu Dhabi. So, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like you could still push for September if you wanted it or just focus on New York in November. Yeah, so let's see. Michael Chandler is definitely a no-no. Uh, I know Justin uh, wants to fight like end of the year or next year and i don't really want to wait that long and i'd rather fight justin for the for the belt like i don't i don't like get excited to 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 train to fight justin you know i i know him he's he's a he's an awesome guy and we're he's a buddy of mine so it's not like i get excited to fight him um so who does that leave us with we it's really just fazeev and, and gamma those are the only two options left so that's uh that's what we're looking at right now i know fazeev has a broken nose and i think he just did surgery so he's set back so most likely it's going to be gamrot i think so now we just got to see um the dates and and what they want to do with that and uh we'll go from there yeah but you wanted to you prefer fighting stateside right or do you like going overseas i like stateside for sure i do uh but like the 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 good thing about going to abu dhabi is let's say islam or charles doesn't show up mm. i would be the number one uh, replacement guy so it would be worth it to go uh to abu dhabi just because of that got it all right mm-hmm. so maybe that's where knowing that you would take someone behind you in the rankings because your focus is more on on the situation that might unfold and you might catch a break and fight for the title yeah i mean my my focus is is uh is is obviously whoever's in front of me but um I just have to be ready for all situations. I'm thinking a couple times I've heard it from different people that it looks like Chandler and McGregor could be mixing it up at the beginning of the year. And mm-hmm. I still think that leaves Dustin without an opponent. So I think he'll circle back. I, I, for some reason, man, something's telling me Darius versus Dustin Poirier is going to happen. Um, I'm not feeling it. I think, if anything, it would be Dustin Poirier, Justin Gagey. They'll do again? a rematch on that. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, like... I've come to a, not like I, I haven't been in the top five that long, but I've come to realize I their ideal situation is just fight each other because if they keep fighting each other, they don't lose their rankings. So I've I've come to figure that out. Uh, <laughs> took me a while, but I, I kind of figured it out. And you know, I'm not I'm not trying to stay in this business just so I can stay in the top five or or, or whatever. I want to fight the best guys in the world. So. I gotta. I just want to line them up. Whoever's the best in the world, let's get them lined up. Let's go. And just to be clear, would you also just be the substitute in Abu Dhabi, not necessarily fighting someone, 
Because again, I know at least puts money in your pocket. Yeah, but it's it's not like it's a huge amount of money, and and like I haven't fought in a year, so you know that it's not. I understand it's, it's money's money, but like fighting is better, so <laughs> I'd much rather fight. I, I would I would definitely want to have an opponent instead of just waiting. I I can't see myself waiting till October with no guarantees of a fight. It's a with a maybe, so. It's just not uh, it's not an ideal situation for me. Benny, that scenario of being a possibly of, of having an opponent, but if it were to fall out, the main event, you slipping in, um, all the work that you've put in, all the time, I'm sure that would be like a stressful moment. That Would that be a decision made right then and there? Like when the belt's put in front of you, you do it? Or, or would you sit down and maybe think that one over a little bit? Uh, I'd definitely do it. I mean, I train hard. I don't like three round fight, five round fight. It's never made a difference to me. I always train for for five rounds every single time I spar. It's five rounds, sometimes more. It's um, it just there wouldn't be. I don't I don't see an issue with doing uh, with doing five rounds. And I don't, you know, once you get to the to the like elite guys in in fifty five, they all know how to grapple. They all know how to strike. They they all. They can do it all. So it's, you know, getting ready for one guy, you're pretty much getting ready for everybody else. And uh, at the end of the day, it's just, if you're the best, you're the best. It's not going to matter who's in front of you. When the title shot does come around, who do you think will be up there? Who, who do you think will be in front of you? It's so close, man. I'm, I'm leaning towards Islam, but but Charles could definitely pull it off. He's... Um, He's so aggressive, you know. He could definitely pull uh, pull uh, pull off a victory, and I know people are calling it upset, but I wouldn't be. I wouldn't consider it upset. I, I would say it's like just a pick 'em fight because how aggressive Charles is and how defensive Makachev is. It's uh, it's a really intriguing matchup. It's going to be who finds their distance first and who's able to implement their game plan. And when I say distance, for example, Charles is going to come forward throwing heavy things. But are those heavy, heavy things going to land? And then for uh, Makachev, is he going to find the distance to grab him, to, to hold him and to make sure he has him in the positions that he wants him? And that's really going to be the fight, finding your distance to uh, make your moves count. Benny, I've never asked you this, but was there ever a point in your life, because just in meeting you and talking to you, I would never think you were a fighter, you know? And and if, if you... if People that went to high school with you and all that. If you had a high school reunion and you go, this is what I do, would they all go, oh, yeah, that makes sense? Or would they go, really? Like, is it shocking? Like, what do your friends and family say about the career? I'm sure a lot of people are always hitting you up. No, in, in high school, they would have said that definitely makes sense. I, I got I got kicked out of one high school. And then in the other high school, I just I was much better at hiding it. So, um you know, a lot changed when, when I became a devout Christian. Uh, it's like uh, I always tell people, by nature, I'm a savage, but by grace, I'm a servant. So I think that's what people don't understand. It's it, I wasn't always like this. Uh, actually, the easiest thing for me is fighting still. It's just something that comes naturally, whether it's arguing or, or just, uh, just generally physically fighting. It's always easier for me to get in fights. But uh, it's harder to be uh, patient and, 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 you know, be kind and all that stuff. So I have to work hard to be kind, but I, I can fight. Just It's easy. You can, you know, like Marvin called me last night. He's like, can we spar? Like, yeah, we can spar. Let's go. 
<laughs> it's not an issue for me, but uh, being being kind, that's a little bit more tricky. Hey, Benny, if you don't mind me prying a little bit, like I, I just can't picture you any other way. Like what, do you remember the exact moment when you said, hey, I need to change my life? And what is it that like, a lot of people do that and they can change for a while, but they kind of go back. You've kind of just become another person. It wasn't like oh overnight kind of deal. It was gradual. You know, it was one of those things where like, you know, I had to, I was almost like wrestling with God. I, I just kept going back and forth. I want to do this thing my way. And he, and he'd be like, there's no, there's no uh, compromise with me. We're, we're doing it all my way. <laughs> it's going to be my way or it's not, it's not going to work. And so, the more I, I, you know, I started to see that, the more I had to recognize that his way was the better way, the more I kind of uh, realized, okay, I need to start practicing this kindness thing. I need to recognize it's really hard put, to put yourself in other people's shoes. But, you know, I, I started to try to do that as often as I can. And, and so that's really where it comes from. It's just always trying to put myself in other people's shoes and, and just recognizing that's, that's the heart of God. So, and that's, that's, uh, that's, that's really Christianity. That's the heart of Jesus. So that's, that's why I always try to do that. Since Go's got to pry, I want to pry now. Tell me the story that got you kicked out of high school. Uh, I don't know. Some kid was making, so this nine 11 happened, right? It was, uh, 2001 and, uh, it was 2004, 2005. I think it was 2004. I was in high school and like Middle Eastern jokes were very popular. And, and, and this kid wasn't even that bad. He was just making a joke. It was, it was, it was probably a funny joke, but I was very insecure at the time, you know, cause, um, everybody was hyping up the whole, like, Hey, they're, they're tre treating Middle Eastern people bad. So I was really insecure. I was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta make sure I defend myself. He said some stupid joke and I was like, all right, and if I let this go, everybody else is going to start picking on me. So I just, I stepped up and, and then we ended up getting in a fight. Um, he looked a lot worse than I did. So I ended up getting kicked out. And then I went to Valencia high school and then Valencia high school was, um, I would say, uh, predominantly Mexican and Asian. Uh, so I, I it was a little bit easier for me, but, uh, I don't know. It just, that was it. But then we had the Mexican gangs who, or at least they were uh, gangster wannabes who I'd get in, get in a few uh, tussles with here and there. That, that, that's, that was kind of my high school life. I didn't, I didn't really uh, do sports. I did soccer, but I sucked at it. And then I wrestled for a couple of months <laughs> last year of, uh, the last year of uh, my, my senior year, basically. And uh, I just really liked wrestling. I was like, oh, but maybe I can try jujitsu. So I started doing jujitsu a little bit uh before school ended when i turned 18. did valencia kick you out or you went to valencia after getting kicked out i i went to valencia after getting kicked out of esperanza so i i spent uh, valencia and uh it, it was chill it was a cool school i i had a I had a good time there a couple of fights here and there but we uh you know we didn't let the school know this time <laughs> we were smart yeah. let's just say you get smarter after the after they tell you, hey, you get kicked out again, we don't know what we're going to do with you. What did your family think of you kind of standing up for a sensitive time and the fact that the kid probably cat cracked the shitty joke where they did let it slide or, or are you getting some trouble? I don't care at all. She was so pissed at me. Uh, you know, my mom is like the softest person. She doesn't like, she thinks fighting is like ridiculous. She loves the drama. It's funny. She loves the drama of the UFC, but 
she thinks fighting is not, you know, the ideal thing. So my, my whole life, my mom and my grandma try to make me, uh, like more caring and more soft. Honestly, if it wasn't for them, I'd probably be, I wouldn't be here. I'd probably be in jail or something. Cause I was always, I was always a little bit rough around the edges, always trying to get in fights. So if it wasn't for, if it wasn't my mom and my grandma, I'd probably be, uh, I, I don't know where I would be. I wouldn't be here. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. You know, I I kept asking about the high schools because, as you know, we're from Southern California, so I was trying to kind of connect the dots. I'm familiar with certain pockets in OC that are predominantly this way or that way or whatever, you know, see, um, whites, minorities or uh, of different types or rich and poor. There's so many re different reasons that kids in high school can have these, you know, possible insecurities or cliques or whatever, but it your was, fight when it took place was it like immediate like in a classroom or was it like jack in the box 3 right p.m outside, right, right outside the classroom he said something in the classroom right outside the classroom i said i can't let him get away with it if i let him get away with it it's going to be uh uh you know it's going to get worse for me but in reality it was just a funny joke honestly the kid the kid wasn't even that bad i was just really insecure and yeah. i love to just get in fights so i was just it was more it was definitely more my fault and the poor kid he got his he got his butt whooped. Uh, so, like, um, it wasn't would, even. Um, would you throw a nice one, two or a judo toss? Or, or? I, I think I just threw as many punches as I could in, in, in those 30 seconds that I got a chance at him. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't learn how to fight till after high school. So, it's not like I knew what I was doing. So, it was like Phil Baroni against Dave Manet. You just kind of lit him up. That's it. That's 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 way to put it. Um. Do any of these guys that you fought, did you happen to keep in touch with them, and are they fans of your career now? No, in high school, no. I thought no. you meant UFC. I was going to say, oh, me and Drew always uh, always talk. He's a cool guy. Uh, but no, not in not, – not uh, shoot, not that I can think of, no. But, my, you know, I got a couple of buddies from high school. We've always stayed close. Like, that's that hasn't changed, but – Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't. I, I didn't keep in touch with the guys I got in fights with. I don't I've, think I've heard of that before where someone will reach out to a fighter. Yeah, man, you kicked my ass, but Hey, now I can say so-and-so kicked my ass. And, um, so that's why I was wondering, but have you been to any of the reunions that goes even mentioned or, or I went to like, yeah, I went to the 10 year reunion, but we didn't stay long because my buddies, we already see each other like on a regular basis. The, the guys, yeah. Like we stayed for a little bit, and then one of my uh, buddies was really drunk, so I had to get him out of there. Uh, so I grabbed him, and we headed out. Yeah, and but people knew you were a fighter then? That's oh, yeah. Well, a 10-year uh, reunion? Yeah, they definitely knew. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, right. I was babysitting at my 10-year reunion because everybody was, like, coming up trying to talk to me. But then I got one of my buddies. He's really drunk, and all my other buddies are just, like, laughing at him. And they don't care. I'm like, no, no, no. We got to get this guy. Uh, I was really worried about him. So we, I think, did we take? No, we didn't take him. Uh, we just took him back to the hotel and let him, like, uh, you know, lay down and just. Oh, 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 I thought you were worried that he was going to get in a fight. Okay, no, I, got you. I was worried. Like he was, he was really bad. Uh, uh, like not alcohol poisoning, but he was just he was puking a little bit. So we we just wanted to make sure he stays hydrated. So we got him back. A bunch of Gatorades and, and uh, he just it was it was a mess. That whole night was a mess, and I, I felt like I was babysitting. But that's uh that's that that, that was kind of common in my uh, short college live uh, uh, career. Got it. You know, one name we didn't mention. We'll close with this. 
Alexander Volkanovsky, when the fight between Ortega and Yair took off, he kind of did the, the uh, little eyes, you know, like I'm I'm, yeah. I'm peeking and whatever, because obviously he's looking for a number one contender. But then he did an interview this week where he stated um, he wants the winner of Oliveira and and uh, Islam Makashev. In my head, I'm thinking, OK, wait, they're not fighting till October. He's got the hand to address. But if I'm being kind, I do the rankings for MMA Junkie in USA Today, and I see you guys. Not many fighters fight more than twice a year. But I'm going to be kind and say three times a year, which would be every four months. So that would mean if the win on best schedule possible, whoever fight whoever wins on October 22nd, if they're ready to go by four months later, so what's that, November, February 22nd, you know, and, and that guy's ready to go against Alex, which is what he wants to do, then Alex says he'll then defend Featherweight, which now puts him at, I guess, June 22nd or something like that. It just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Like, it, it never works out that somebody's going to defend both belts. It's super, super rare, and when they do it, it's not like they do it uh, right away. But regardless, he threw his name out there. He is 25-1, and one, tip of the hat. He is 11 and 0 in the UFC, tip of the hat, four title defenses, all that. I get it. But where do you think he fits in um in into this? Is is he kind of making you a little nervous that he might delay Benny's title shot one day? Nervous isn't the right word. Uh, what I would say is listen, being a double champ cool on paper, but then you got to defend both belts, you know, and uh these busy, uh, both both uh divisions are super busy. So like this this position you want, I don't think it's what you think it is. Like, if you want to leave the 45 and come to 55, I think, great idea. But I think if you want to do both uh, both weight classes, I don't think you're going to be defending the belt as much as you think. And uh, also, 55 is just a different beast, you know. Um, I think it'll be a, a whole different uh, thing he has to deal with. Like, look at Connor. He came to 55. Obviously, they just threw him right in there. And stylistically, he matched up really well with... Eddie Alvarez, but after that, he—I don't think he's ever won a fight since at 55, because I think even Cerrone was at 170. Yeah, Cerrone, Poirier, and um, I guess that's been well, Nate, the the Nate back to backs that he's done. Those were before Eddie Alvarez. He lost to Habib. He lost to Nate. Habib, uh, beat Nate at 70. He beat uh, he beat uh Cerrone at 70. I'm telling you, 55 is a is a different beast. So. Uh, I mean, if he wants to come up, welcome. Uh, we'll we'll get it all figured out. I'm not worried about him. I I love the competition. I love. I would love to fight one of the best ever. So, as far as competition goes, I, I love it. As far as figuring out who goes first, uh, we'll deal with that when we get there. Could you do 45? Is that even possible? No. Okay. Uh, like I'm in. I'm in pretty good shape right now. 180. Okay. So, would you do 170, or is that just too big? 170 is definitely more doable than 145. And, and you know, I, I wouldn't mind doing 170. Uh, it's just at this rate, we're, we're having so much success at, at 55. It doesn't make sense to move up. But who knows? Maybe one day. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. We really, really appreciate it. We always hope for the best for you. And um, whatever that might be, you know, we can't wait to chat with you about it once there's a fight booking in front of us. Right now, it's just fun throwing out names. Yeah. Thanks, boys. I appreciate the call. You guys have a great day. You too. We'll see you. Well, as you can see, folks, there was some good info there of what he was feeling before this fight broke. 
and maybe he was even already knowing what direction things might go. Um, and then finally, how about <laughs> Benny Darius in high school? Uh, what a character. He was not going to put up with anyone's shit. He wanted to send a message to anyone at Esperanza High. This is the way I roll. That's why he had to finish at Valencia High. Benny always keeps it uh, pretty fun. I like having him on the show. I don't... I don't know that I believe him. I, I can't even see that. Like, dude, that guy is so nice, such a good person. I, I can't even imagine him doing those things. But hey, if he says it happened, it happened. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I I can empathize. Nine eleven back in two thousand one. There was a really really big hatred towards anyone from the Middle East. And what's sad about that is. You know, when you think of the Middle East, like unless you're really, really educated, you tend to just draw this big circle around Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Iran, Iraq, Palestine, uh, maybe even Turkey, Egypt. You know, it's like this big circle in that area. You know what I mean? The UAE, Qatar. I know I left another one out. But anyway, um, and what sucks is, so the history of bin Laden was he was Saudi, if I'm not mistaken, but he fled to Afghanistan originally, and then he uh, was caught in Pakistan, caught and killed in Pakistan. So, but if you're just from any of those countries that are neighboring, you somehow were just attached to what had happened. Now, that doesn't mean that Al-Qaeda and the Taliban and ISIS they don't have members, you know, in these extremist groups that are from these countries. In fact, the United States is uh, has participation in some of these some of these groups. Not much, but they have. There have been stories that I've read um, of Americans that have bought into, you know, their views, and they've been a part of that. Now I don't know if they've been a part of the actual plot to, you know, bring down planes and the, the twin towers and all that. But now I'm getting carried away. Anyway. So around that time, from what I recall, I, I man, I, I was feeling Benny do that. That would probably was horrible to just constantly be hit about that, hit up about that. And, um, you know, and so I, I could see that someone who maybe kind of grew up being a punk ass kid that just didn't take shit from anyone, man, they were just going to throw down, you know what I mean? And so I, I, I kind of do believe him goes, and I know you do too. You, yeah. you probably just found it, found it harder, harder to believe, but there's a lot of people that went through a lot of stuff man i could I remember that friend amir that i had that i worked with with uh with the attorney Werman. yeah you know same thing like i remember he he would tell me some stuff that he went through he was his family was from iran and he was born in the united states but he would get hit up a lot about that and sometimes especially when it involves drinks or immaturity it just goes too far yeah um okay so now, let's tie into what happened in the last hour or so. Remember, we're taping on a Wednesday night here. Benil Dariush is going to be fighting Matias Gamrot, who just defeated Armin Sarukian, man, in late July. So, well, I guess it's not that quick of a turnaround. It's not till October 22nd, but he's ready to go. He just had a five-round war against Sarukian, but he's going to do this with Benil Dariush. However, what I see through that goes is Benny wanted to get paid. He wants to fight, like he told us. 
I see him as insurance for the main event too, which is good. And that puts me at ease because that we can't have October 23rd come around and that thing still be vacant. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good scenario. And that's, I don't know. That's one of the questions I asked them. You know, you, you go through so much to get to this point to not really have that moment to have like a full training camp for a title fight like that. It's risky, but you know, that's sometimes risk pays off in the sport. I mean, Look at Nate Diaz, right? Look at uh, Michael Bisping with, with that those risks that they took, what happened for them. So uh, I'm down. Yeah, so am I. So everything I just named off, now add Benil Dariush and Matias Garmon. I mean, that is an awesome. If that's the main card, honestly, they can just have uh, <laughs> tomato cans fighting on the prelims. I wouldn't even care. I'd just be like, okay, I'm cool. There'll be some knockouts and submissions. Some broken limbs, some blood. Now let's get to that that main and card. Of course, I'm kidding. There's other fights that are booked. I just don't have them here in front of me. But that is one hell of a card that's brewing out there. I'll go over it one more time. Chucky Olives against Islam Makashev for the vacant UFC lightweight title. Bilal Muhammad against Sean Brady. Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. Aljamain Sterling is going to be defending his UFC bantamweight title. Um, Sean O'Malley against Peter Yan. Holy cow. A true test. For Sean O'Malley, Benil Darius versus Matias Gamrol. It's not even fair to compare that to UFC 279, which takes place the month before. And you know New York's always stacked. So, yeah, the one in Vegas just isn't much right now. I could use some help. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it doesn't compare. But uh, I guess they're just trying to impress partners out there. you know. But you almost want to say they went overboard. That's how good it was. Give us Poirier or someone, right? Someone that'll just throw down uh, on on September tenth as a coming. Yeah. Um, Poirier versus who? Fiziev has a broken nose. Justin Gagey has a broken nose. Chandler says he's on ice until the new year. Although yeah, Chandler's I'm nutty. Not. Chandler's nutty, and they had that incident at UFC two seventy six. Could the UFC come with a big paycheck and go, "Hey, dog." We need you on September 10th. We're going to do it at 170. You and Poye don't even have to lose weight. <laughs> Why not? Money talks. Uh, I could see them doing that. And both guys have kind of kind of said those types of things that, you know, they want to make money. So that's a good way to make money. Yeah, that would be a nice way to rescue that fight card. There's some other gangsters out there, but we'll see. Some of these cards can have quick turnaround. Like I've Aspinall, Ices, Curtis Blades. Man, there's a lot of there's a lot of publicity behind that guy. Um, maybe Aspinall and another heavyweight could get down. Who knows? All right. Um, so I guess we're kind of caught up on the latest big well, name fights that have been signed, right? Or is there another one I'm let, missing? Let's touch a little bit on that O'Malley and that Peter Yan fight. Yeah, I guess we didn't talk about that. I mean, much. that was completely unexpected. That is a tough fight. Uh, but... Oh, man, it's just – I think O'Malley can be successful in this fight. I just don't know if he's got it, dude. He's got the length, the, the way he fights, but Peter Yan just doesn't go away. He's not that type of guy. So I don't know. Peter Yan is a beast. I remember doubting him a lot until he actually became champ. And I, I even thought he was going to lose to Aljo. The first fight, and he was taking it to Aljo. 
then Aljo beat him the second time around. So that dude's going to be hungry, man. But yeah, Peter Yan is no joke. I don't like O'Malley's chances in this fight. And, you know, O'Malley doesn't... O'Malley's got decent ground game from what I've seen and what he even talks about that there's a lot that hasn't been seen. But getting Peter Yan and keeping him on the ground, man, I mean, Aljo's got a sick ground game. He got him down a couple times, held him down, but he really didn't threaten much with the with the actual submissions. He just basically was able to control him. I don't think O'Malley can do what Aljamain do, can do there. So now they're basically going to kickbox for five rounds. Peter Yan does not go away. The only thing he does is start slow. And so Sean O'Malley can win that first round and then nick two other rounds one way or another, somewhere along the lines. Um, then, sure, maybe there's a shot, but I, I don't like his chances in this one. He may have bitten too much more than he it, could choose. It might be a little too much. Uh you know, not being used to the travel, all that stuff. Peter Young's an assassin, dude. I mean, yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah. Um, as far as other news, those were the fights that broke that were really, really big. And then, the, like, I, like I've always pointed to you all, because it's kind of hard to recite all the legal terms, but we do have updates on the case for Cain Velasquez. There's a full letter from Dana White supporting Cain Velasquez. That's on the front page of MMA Junkie if you want to read it. And then, of course, this week, Velasquez's attorney was making a request to release. Um, it says, Velasquez attorneys escalate requests for release to appeals court. So what they want to do is bring that guy home. He's still going to stand for all uh, against all the counts that are against them, which I believe there's 10 or 11. But they want that guy at home, and of course they would want him even if he is um, found guilty. They're always going to push for him to maybe serve his sentence at home just because of the extenuating circumstances. I know there's a lot of other people that are like, the letter of the law, the letter of the law, and I get it. Um, I understand what he did and, and how he could have hurt other people. I'm, I'm not stupid. But again, Kane's always seemed to be a peaceful man who's minded his own business. And this one time he just lost it, you know, he lost it. And um, so I think that's why everybody's trying to say, look, whatever happens happens, but can you do it at home? Have you changed your mind on that stance goes, or do you still feel like the law's a law and he'll have to go behind bars uh, for some of the counts? Unfortunately, if you asked me what I thought he would do, I think he would be fine. I, I really do feel like time away from his family has, has hurt him. But yeah, man, the letter of the law. Can you imagine if you're the judge that releases him and he goes out and does something dumb again? They're going to say, man, we like, what more did you need? You know, we told you this would happen. So I don't know. Yeah. And what's funny is I believe they've even brought that up. Cain Velasquez's team is that he might be suffering from that. But I think in a way you might be um, – that might be an indictment against the case that you're trying to make because you're almost making it sound like the guy could lose it at any time. I don't know. I haven't followed it as close as Nolan King, so maybe we're going to bring in Nolan King on a future show so he can kind of throw some of these questions his way and he can answer them for us. But luckily, all that's spelled out on MMA Junkie. Then you can click the links and see what the history of the case is and where they're at. There's been a lot of continuances and stuff like that where there are days in court, but nothing's accomplished because... 
again, the attorneys keep pushing it out for different reasons. But I'm on bringing t- uh, Cain Velasquez home. I feel like he wouldn't ever foul up again, and he would be there for his son. Actually, his children. Children. You know, I like to always be honest with our audience. We've been told not to specify his son because technically in all the legal paperwork, I believe they've never identified. However, we've done enough interviews and heard enough stuff with a lot of people that are close to King Velasquez to zero in on the fact that we we believe it's his son. So that's me uh, speculating but feeling pretty good that that's what it is. But if you ever hear me revert to the other way, you know, one of his children was harmed. Um, that's because we're just, I guess, reminded that we should uh, call things the way they are. I found an interview goes with Kane Velasquez that he did, and it was with, man, give me a second here. Uh, it may have been Cyrus Fees. And Cyrus, it was only about eight months ago. It was before Kane had this thing went down. And when he talked about his kids, his daughter was older in age and the and the son was younger in age. And for me, that was like the final, like, oh, it, it has been. I, I know which kid it is, you know, but that's why I guess it always slips from me. Um, but anyway, uh, so that's all there on the front page. And, and a lot of stuff's on the front page, including you know some of the fights some some of the fighters did their media out in london like curtis blades and chris curtis and tom aspinall and patty pimlet check it out it's all on the front page of mma junkie including some face-offs so it's pretty cool the last time they were in london they blew the roof off that place lots of bonuses were given out so i expect a really really fun card on saturday in london and goes i don't know about you I know Curtis Blades is a tough out. I mean, as tough of an out as as there is. But, boy, that Tom Aspinall is really fun to watch when he's throwing his hands. Yeah. When Curtis gets a hold of you, though, man, Jesus Christ. Uh, It's tough. I I think he's still evolving. I think he's getting better. I I think I went Blades on this one. Yeah, that's probably the safer pick of the two. Um, That fight card goes off, just so you know, because of the time change. Main card, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. The prelims, 8, 11 a.m. Pacific and 8 a.m. Sorry, 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific. So very similar to last week's card in Long Island with uh, an 8 a.m. start time on the Pacific time zone. So please make a note of that. Paul Craig versus Volkan Oz- Ozdemir. Hannah Goldie versus Molly McCann. Goosty's back. Nikita Krylov versus Alexander Gustafson. Jordan Levitt versus Patty Pimlet. Chris Curtis versus Jack Hermanson. Curtis Blades versus Tom Aspinall. That's a pretty amazing card, right? It's a good one. Yeah. And then there's also Bellator, a big, big fight between Douglas Lima and Jason Jackson in the welterweight division uh, for Bellator 283. That's coming up as well. Cage Warriors, Invicta 48 is... Uh, I think they're they're going at it right now. So all of that covered on MMA Junkie. Check it out. Follow Goes on social media. On Instagram and Twitter, he's at the Goes. 
I'm at MMA Junkie George. Check out our video franchise of the Spinning Backlick dropping every week on Tuesdays here on MMAJunkie.com. But you can also go to our YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie video. And you can go subscribe straight to the YouTube page and, and check it out. Uh, leave us a comment there. Tell us what you think. Share it. We're really hoping that this thing continues to take off, but we really, really enjoy doing it. With that, we're going to bounce on out of here. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Go out there and be a champion. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.